Welcome to Kansas City Food Memories. It's a radio show that's normally on KMBZ 98.1 at 10 a.m. We are preempted by the Missouri Tiger football program pregame. So today I decided to do something new. We're doing a Facebook Live. And so the show has taken on a life of its own. It's more about the people, the places, and the food that make Kansas City what it is. If I had to describe my format now and what I really want it to be, just imagine a combination of the Walt Bodine Show and the Mike Murphy Show. <laughs> and it's just um, it's about the stories, the people, interesting things like that. Um, so a lot of times about food, most time about food, but it's also about the people that connect the different dots. And so in order to carry that forward today, I, there's only one guest that I could possibly have to launch me in this direction, and that's Andrew Yates. Andrew, uh, don't make the mistake I did. Your microphone's probably on. My microphone's <laughs> yeah. on, yeah. You're, you're a consummate professional. Welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. All right, so why do I have you here? What is your tie to Mike Murphy? Uh, I was his producer for the last uh, 4.75 years <laughs> he was on the air. All right, simple question. Was he everything that we imagined he was, the radio legend? Uh, yes, I I would have to say so. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just I moved to Kansas City in 1986, and so it was I grew up in Wichita, went to college in Topeka, and my first job was here. I ended up staying there for a long time, and I decided very shortly this was going to be my home. Good. And a big part of that was Mike Murphy. Now, you listened to him after he came back from St. Louis yes. or before? Yes, after he came back. After he came yeah, back. As soon as from he St. came Louis. back. You know, so you know when you first move into a town. Any, any town, new area, you, you don't know if you're going to fit in. You don't know people. You know, you do your job. You're busy for a little bit. But after that, you feel like an outsider. But I got to tell you, listening to Mike Murphy, you know, five days a week, and I listened to Toby Tobin on Saturdays, and then I listened to Superfan Ed Beeler and then Marshall Saper, <laughs> you know, on those days. Murphy but, called him Dr. Savior. <laughs> well, that's not too far from the truth. I mean, it's just he helped a lot of people. But, you know, it's just, it's, and they each serve different, different roles. With, with Mike Murphy, I just, you felt like a friend, you felt like a neighbor, you know. And, it, and to me, it, it, I learned some of the history of Kansas City, uh, some of the stories, and it just, I felt like, it gave me a feeling of belonging. So when, when, so gosh, where do we start with this? So Mike Murphy used to be a morning DJ in several different markets. Right. He started out in Ottumwa, Iowa. K-L-E-E, Klee right. Radio. And so he, um, they went, um, he actually worked at KMBZ. Yeah, he didn't come into Kansas City until uh, March 18, 1968. Okay. And uh, he started out in the evenings. And within, uh, this is uh, March, so by December he was doing mornings. Uh, and boy, when he got on the mornings, he just exploded in the market. And uh, one time he got a 48 in the ratings. And Ooh. general manager Walt Lachlan took him to lunch and chided him for not getting a 50. <laughs> okay, that's funny. That's a, you know, the, the radio business is brutal, isn't it? It can be, yes. It, I mean, you know, 48, I mean, who even sniffs that nowadays? It's a, it's a pressure. There's a lot of pressure yeah. to being number one yeah. in the market. So when did he start doing entertainment talk show like this, like what he did? I think when he started doing the morning show, uh, he began interviewing celebrities and prominent people and by the time he became of course popular in the ratings uh, prominent Kansas Cityans wanted to be a part of his show mm -hmm. and uh, he was real cognizant of having a desire to see a strong vibrant Kansas City at that time it was not um, 
we've told the story of St. Patrick's Day, 1972. He yeah. walks out of Hogarty's bar, and he said, I could stand out in the middle of the street, and, and, no, and a car wouldn't hit me. There was nothing going on. So he had to do something about it. And the following year, March 15th of 73, uh, they got a bunch of people together, and Dan Hogarty wore a sign that said, Parade on it. And uh, he said uh, it just started from there. They went a block and a half. It was called the world's shortest and worst parade. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I think that parade can be compared, compared to Woodstock. There is more people that claim they were at Woodstock than actually attended. Yes, uh, there, are, there are a lot of people that claim to be founders of the parade. Oh, I've, they, I've, they were nowhere near the place. And I, I used to joke on the air with Murphy that uh, I am a founder, a co-founder of the parade. I was only 12, but I was yeah. a co-founder. And Mike would say, you've got to stop saying that on the air. <laughs> well, you know, it, whenever I tell the Mike Murphy story on the radio, I'd, I'll have, I'd, I'd probably say in the last eight months I've had over a hundred people tell me they were at that first parade <laughs> well they could have been there were people in office buildings that were coming down yeah. and the girls from St. Regis came out and there was a three-legged dog and you know so were you living in Kansas City at that time or was that before yes I grew up in a little town called Buckner which is oh, sure. uh, east of Independence on 24 okay. Highway so I was quite well aware my mother listened to Mike Murphy and so I knew exactly who he was now, you didn't tell that to Mike, did you? I did. As a matter of fact, in his book, I could write a book, so I did. That's yeah, the actual right. title. I said in my book that I listened to Mike Murphy as a kid because my mother listened to him. And that wasn't meant to be a jab or a disrespect or a poke. It was meant to be a sign of respect. And uh, when I became his producer, I already had his voice in my head. So I knew what to do. Right. Uh, I didn't have to guess. And, uh, All right, so real quick, uh, so for the listeners or viewers out there, if you have any questions, go ahead and uh, post that online. I have an assistant, my beautiful wife, that will be able to read <laughs> us the question. The lovely Cheryl. <laughs> and Jasper, hello out there. I know you're out there, so if we make a mistake on restaurants, oh. Jasper will send me a personal text. That's the serious kindly. food over there. Oh, yeah. Say, I have my own online fact checkers. You do? You know, that's important in media. <clears throat> right, so if you look back to when he was doing that, you know, Kansas City had an energy. There's every city in this country, in the country has some kind of energy. But unless you have a personality to pull it all together, to activate it, I don't think you get what we have here in Kansas City. No. Uh, Mike, this is going back before power and light was so strong right. in Kansas City. Mike truly believed that a city was vibrant if you had a strong downtown. If sure. you did not have a strong downtown, you were a weak city. Right. And uh, Mike was very concerned about us having a weak city. Um, so that's why he did the cattle drive right. going down Main Street in Kansas. I was going to say Kansas. that was probably part of that. That was part of it because he wanted Kansas City to be a vibrant yeah. city. Yeah. And um, I, I think he would be thrilled to see what has happened in downtown today yeah. with uh, the T-Mobile oh, no Center and the 
two, three, four light or whatever it is we have down there with apartments and uh, all of the development that's going on. There was also a discussion about a downtown ballpark. Right. It's not so much about the politics of it. We can all discuss that every day. Right. But Mike's thought was, why don't we have something yeah. downtown? Yeah. Okay, Clay County, terrific. Put it in Clay County. I don't care. Yeah. Mike said we should have a ballpark in downtown. Yeah. And uh, he, he said that in 1979 when I listened to him. And one of the things I loved about Mike was that he stayed out of politics. You, you really had no idea what his views were, but he loved Kansas City. He did love Kansas and City. When I did my show, there are certain people I wish I could have had on my show, and had they, if they were still alive, I think that they would have done my show. Lamar Hunt. He's one person I would absolutely have loved to have. He nice was, man. You know, I, I, and I think he would have done my show because uh, he knows w- the reason I'm doing it, the, the, the love I have for Kansas City. You know, I, I, I know Mike Murphy was not an extrovert. People are always shocked to hear that. I don't think he liked crowds. No, he did and not. I don't know if he ever did anybody else's radio show, but I would like to think that he would consider doing it because my show because I talk about other people and I talk about what makes Kansas City so wonderful. He... Um when he retired, he said he wanted to go out like Johnny Carson. That Johnny Carson left and never came back yeah. with the exception of an appearance on David Letterman and doing a voicer yeah. for The Simpsons. Yeah. And uh, I said to him when he retired, I said, in about six weeks, you're going to want to come back on the air. And sure enough, six weeks later, 15.10 uh, a.m. offered him a morning slot. And he <laughs> said he would only do it if I would produce it. Well, I had a full-time job. I wasn't going to do that. And um, <clears throat> Mike said, what do you think I should do? And I said, well, you said you always wanted to go out like Johnny Carson. What do you think? And he, he called him and said, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, you mean we could have had more of Mike Murphy uh, we, we except had for more. you? <laughs> yeah, but he did not want to. Uh, you probably shouldn't have let that story come out that it's your fault. <laughs> he, never, he never came back. I think it would have been unhappy <laughs> trying to do it. All right. So um, I want to. There's. We've got a hundred different stories we could tell. The one I want you to tell is that, so he was a big thing here in Kansas City, and a big radio station uh, was a KMOX, uh-huh. and St. Louis hired him away. You know, that they thought he was gonna, they could duplicate what he had in Kansas City over in St. Louis. And so how well did that go? Well, he was replacing a man by the name of Jack Carney. Jack Carney was the legend of St. Louis radio. And uh, Jack Carney had just died. <clears throat> and Mike always said that he wishes he had not taken the job and they would have hired a guy to be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> and then <clears throat> Murphy could have come in and cleaned up. But as it was, Murphy was the sacrificial lamb. And uh, he was not hired by the general manager. He was hired by CBS executives. And so he did not get along with general manager Bob Hyland. That's the guy's name, Bob Hyland. Never forget that name, folks. <coughs> so um, after nine months, Bob Hyland thought, well, I can just get rid of Mike Murphy, and that'll be the end of that. And what Bob Hyland failed to realize is there was a $125,000 penalty clause in his contract. <coughs> and... Um, uh, Mike and Kathy moved back to Squirrel Manor and remodeled the first floor of their house. And when you walked from the living room into the kitchen, there was a little plaque on the wall that said the Bob Highland Room. <laughs> I loved that because that was Mike kind of telling Bob Highland, yeah. you know, go fly a kite. 
I love, their loss is our gain. That's correct, because Murphy came back to Kansas City because of Bob Hyland's uh, yeah. ignorance or stupidity yeah. or whatever it might be. Well, we have a magical combination here in Kansas City. So tell, talk to me about food. Did, how um, much did Mike care about food? Uh, uh, tons, tons, piles. <laughs> it was um, a daily conversation that we would have. Uh, Mike and I liked high-power tamales. Now, nobody remembers high-power tamales. Maybe, maybe a few of you do. But uh, it was tamales in a can. You can't get them anymore. They were made here in Kansas City. And they went out of business, and it was just regretful. I'm sorry, Hormel tamales in a can doesn't even come close. <laughs> but we had a listener named Bebo, and Mike and I love Bebo. And Bebo had a salsa company that he's now, now just is packaging. You go to a price chopper, it's called Socorro's. Okay. And you can add water to it or whatever and make a sauce. Uh, but at one point, Bebo had bottled salsa, and... Uh, we would talk about high-power tamales, and Bebo would call in. He'd be really upset. He says, I, don't, I can't believe you guys are eating that dog food. Uh, Bebo was a legitimate Mexican person. And so he would have his wife, Linda. I called her my sainted mother, by the way. Uh, he would have his wife make a pan of tamales, and he'd bring him down to the station. <laughs> now, to put a point on this Bebo story, uh, Bebo's salsa was really good. And uh, uh, Murphy had a live read for the Salty Iguana, the restaurant. And he said, uh, now, when you go to the Salty Iguana, you try the salsa. It's not as good as Bebo's, but try it anyway. <laughs> now, <clears throat> we thought that Salty Iguana guys were going to come unglued, but they did not. In fact, it, they gained more customers wanting to come in to try their salsa and say, we want to compare it to Bebo's. So the Salty Iguana guys made it a part of Mike's copy point. That every Friday at 9.15, Mike had a live read for Salty Iguana, and he had to say the salsa wasn't as good as Bebo's. And Bebo loved it because, obviously, it sold more Bebo salsa. Right. But now you can go over there. It's, I think it's called Socorro's, and it's just the package of ingredients, and you add water or vinegar or whatever the case may be and you get Bebo salsa I miss him I haven't talked to him for years and uh, he was just a, a he was an iron worker hung most of the iron on the buildings downtown just a, a splendid human being all right do you have any Carl DeCapo stories with Mike Murphy and Carl yes. DeCapo uh, uh, as a matter of fact I have one on here of, of them at the first cattle drive uh, Carl would come on all the time and I would play schmaltzy Italian music orchestrated heavily you know with orchestras Andre Castellanos okay. and all that <clears throat> and uh, it would get him emotional and so every time we'd book Carl on the show Murphy would come on and say okay we got Carl DeCapo today and uh, Andy's gonna make him cry <laughs> so and, and I'd usually and Carl would say no you're not gonna make me cry and usually when I I, I, I would play Mama by Connie Francis that was it. The handkerchief came out. Carl was crying. So what's the audio you have of uh, Carl DeCapo and Mike uh, Murphy? It's the first cattle drive. Oh, um, my goodness. Uh, what year was that? Huh? What year was that? 1996, April 1st. Um, I know a lot of listeners out there. Remember, how many years did they actually do the cattle drive? Just uh, a couple? We did six of them. Six I of them? four. Well, I remember the, the last one. Yes. When they had to stop the cattle drive. 
Uh, was that, wasn't that the year that the 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 one cow got loose in the parking garage? In the, the one cow, well, the one cow that got loose downtown went up into a spiral yeah. of the parking lot, and then one time one got loose in Mission, yeah. and was eating this poor old woman's flowers in the backyard. Well, it was funny listening to that show uh, live back at the time. Was almost like uh, the w- WKRP Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder which came first. The cattle driver, the WKRP show, because it was it was just like that. The drama and well, it, it, the idea was Murphy liked it when the cows got away. He yeah. didn't. You know, oh, there yeah. were a couple of years where the cows went from point A to point B. Yeah, and that was it. And he was disappointed. But, oh yeah. Well, uh, and, you, and you could hear him cheering on the cattle to get loose. Oh, go go, go up that road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One year, I I rode with him maybe twice, and I rode a horse named Toby. <laughs> and <laughs> was his last name Tobin? I uh, know. No, okay. Uh, and Mike rode uh, War Paint, who was the ran up and down the field right. when the Chiefs scored a touchdown. And Bob Johnson was the trainer for War Paint. And Bob Johnson st- came over to me and said, "Now look, Andy, War Paint knows she is the star, so you need to keep your horse behind War Paint." And I said, "Whatever, horses." It's a horse. They don't have personalities. How do they know they're a star? So we get to Johnson Drive in Lamar, and we're coming up the hill, and then all the TV cameras were waiting for us. Mike said, pull up next to me so we can uh, get on camera together. So I clip-clop Toby up next to Warpaint, and we're doing just fine. And then Warpaint bites my horse in the neck. And poor old Toby stops dead in his track. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, Bob Johnson now is laughing hilariously and goes over and gets old Kobe, uh, Toby to kick up again and go. And uh, Bob looks over at me and says, see, I told you she knows she's the star. <laughs> and so for the rest of the parade, Toby wouldn't go anywhere near war paint. That was the end of that. Well, somebody's paying attention. <laughs> the horse, not you, right? Huh? That's funny. That's good. Uh, let's see. Oh, you wanted to know more food. Uh, we talked about pecan pie. Right. Um, uh, Mike and I liked pecan pie without pecans. We just wanted the goop. So every year at Thanksgiving, we would lament the fact that there's going to be pecan pie out there with pecans in it. So uh, one year for a Salvation Army Radiothon, there was a, a bakery called Three Women in an Oven. Sure. And I don't think they're still in business. they're not around. Yeah. And uh, uh, the lady brought in a pecan pie without pecans. It was just the goop for Mike and I. We loved it. I had a cup of coffee at Doc Davis's place with my goop. It was the best. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Casey Masterpiece. That was another one of his places. Uh, We always had the Salvation Army Radiothon there. Yep. And um, Doc Davis was just a splendid host. And uh, a terrific man all the way around. Right. Uh, we miss him. Yeah, we met him at, at those Salvation Army drives way yeah, back in he, the day. He, and he always was, like I say, he was a gracious host. And we all, he always fed us lunch. And uh, they, at one point he had these things called fried uh, red peppers and this dipping sauce that was just incredible. And uh, Doc knew I liked him. And so whenever we did a radiothon, Doc made sure that I had my fried red peppers. Where was uh, Mike's, one of Mike's favorite restaurants to go eat to celebrate? Uh, <clears throat> uh, we had the 
uh, what we called the Class 1A lunch. That was the standard lunch. That was Salty Iguana. That's where we went just about every day. Uh, but if you go to the one on 83rd and Mission, you can see Mike's autograph on the wall. Um, the 4A lunches, we would always go to uh, Her- Herford House. Uh, when Mike retired, he took me over to, um, oh, what was the seafood place? Um, what's the seafood place at 119th and Knoll? 119th and Knoll. Oh, uh, Bristol. Uh, yeah, Bristol. Uh, Mike took me to Bristol's, and we had two pound lobsters and the big row of oysters. <laughs> yeah. And it was the first time I'd ever had an, a, a lobster tamale. Okay. And, and by the way, the, lob, the tamale of the lobster is the brain. Yeah. And I've never had, never had the lobster <laughs> brain before. That was the first and probably last experience. All right, Janelle's sitting in my dining room. Yeah, I actually loved hearing that story. That got her attention. <laughs> I've upset these people's breakfast talking yeah. about tamale brains. Uh, we used to go to Johnny Cascone's up the street at 91st and Metcalf. And uh, <clears throat> uh, Johnny Cascone would make for Mike uh, shrimp and creamy garlic sauce. It wasn't oh. on the menu. He just made it for Mike. And it was delicious. And after Mike had died, uh, my father-in-law, God rest him, he loved the liver and onions. And we took my father-in-law to Johnny Cascone's one time for liver and onions. Uh, And it was my wife and myself and Leon, my father-in-law. And the next thing I know, shrimp and creamy garlic sauce shows up at our table. And it was just Johnny giving a little salute in memory of Mike. That was, was very special of him to do that. That's awesome. All right, so let's talk about Mike Murphy real quick. Was there ever a guest, either in studio or on the phone, that just flummoxed him or just intimidated Mike? I don't think anything intimidated him. There there was a guest that I had booked that I did a big boo-boo, and Mike made fun of me for it for the rest of his life. Uh, This lady named, uh, uh, what was her name? She had a French name. Uh, we'll just call her Cecilia. <laughs> That's not a French name, <laughs> <Yeah>. is it? <clears throat> anyway, it was a French name. And um, she had written like an encyclopedia of UFOs. It was like the real deal. It was very informative. And I showed it to Mike, and Mike said, yes, book this woman on. I said, fantastic. So we book her on the air, and um, uh, I talked to her husband, Henry, and Henry said, yes, she'll do the show. She's excited. Well, this will be great. It's terrific. So the day of the show, we uh, play the big open and the big flying saucer show open. And uh, Mike says, this is going to be a great show, an hour and a half with uh, whatever her name is. And it's going to be great. And uh, uh, Cecilia, are you there? And Henry comes on and says, hi, Mike. This is Henry, uh, her husband. Mike said, well, where is she? And Henry says, well, she doesn't speak English. She only speaks French. <laughs> so uh, you're going to have to ask me the question in English. I'll ask her in French. She'll reply in French, and I'll give it to you in English. And Mike's like, I'm not sure I can do an interview like this. And so uh, uh, Mike tried about 10 minutes of, of, of this, and finally it just got to be too much. Okay, thanks, Henry. I, I, I'm done. See ya. Hung up on a guy. So for the rest of his life, Mike says, Andy booked a guest that couldn't speak English. So that's the, 
the guest that flummoxed him. All right. Well, I haven't done that yet. I've booked a guest who refused to answer questions, but, but uh, everybody could speak English. We had I, uh, One of my early guests was I booked a young lady who had written a book on the history of mixed drinks. And I thought, this is perfect for Murphy. He'd love that. And so, uh, Mike. You thought that sounded interesting. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. And so, uh, Mike uh, was known to heave a few in his well, day. I, I, we've, we've heard stories on the air about yes. that. Yes. So, uh, uh, anyway, Mike says, uh, Tell us about the history of, of, of this cocktail. And so, she told us the history of the Manhattan and told us the history of a martini and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Mike said, well, this is a terrific book. Have you ever heard of a Harvey Wallbanger? And the young lady who just graduated from Harvard, who writ the, wrote the book on how to do mixed drinks, said, no, I have never heard of a Harvey Wallbanger. And Mike's looking down at the book, and he slowly looks up at me <laughs> like, what have you got me into? <clears throat> and uh, so after that, he began to play with her. Um, he said, well, have you ever heard of a slippery nipple? No, I've never heard of that one either. I said, you need to look up these drinks. He said, there's a really one, a really cool one called a slow screw up against a wall. And I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. And Mike then said, okay, well, that's the name called the history of mixed drinks, although it's missing most of the mixed drinks I've heard of. And uh, that was the end of the mixed drinks story for her. All right, so um, oh, there's one listener out there, that, uh, Kim. I won't, uh, Kim, last initial V, says her heart is bursting and giggling with the Mike's memories. And um, she said um, Mike was absolutely a blessing to Kansas City. I, totally I would agree with that, that. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, before I get into the UFOs and all that kind of stuff, one of the, you and I were talking about the radio business and doing a radio show and how scary it is sometimes when you do not get any calls. I've done a couple of shows in studio when we're doing the live radio that where we just take all calls. And you uh, tell us the uh, Philadelphia experiment story. Yeah. Uh, we, that was one of my favorite movies, by the way, the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Exper- experiment. Yes. We booked a guy who had written the book on it called Al Bielik. And uh, we did an hour and a half with the guy. And he was telling the most incredible story we had ever heard. Mike looked over at me after about 35 minutes with this guy, and nobody was calling. And Mike gets into the IFB, which is, I can hear him, and I can talk to him, but he does, you don't hear him on the air. And Mike uh, opens the IFB and says, Andy, I think this show's a real turd. This guy's a turd guest. And I said, well, we've got him for another 20 minutes, and we can dump him. Okay, that'll be fine. So we take him to the end of the show, and after the show was over, um, Mike says uh, how disappointed he was that he hadn't heard from anybody, but have a great day and a good night, and we shut it down. And uh, after the show was over, I checked my email, and there are 35 emails about this guy, and I go to my office, and there were 17 voicemails wanting to know about this guy. And the following morning, we were told that we didn't want to call in because we just wanted to listen. Yeah. So what's what's crazy is I think I remember that show because I love the movie. The concept is interesting. You you kind of wonder, like a lot of the topics on Toby's show, you know, whether it's aliens or Bigfoot or Philadelphia (laughs) Experiment or things like that. The Philadelphia Experiment is one of those ones that 
it's an interesting movie, and what if it were true, what would that mean? You know, on the experiments of it. But so I remember listening, fascinated, hearing the story, and it's one of those things so interesting, you, don't want, you really don't want to interrupt. Yeah, you don't want to, they didn't want to disturb the flow of the conversation. Okay, so, so Mike Murphy had a ton of conversations. He championed local uh, stars, you know, the Carl DeCapos of the world, you know, the, what made Kansas City what it is, but he, he occasionally got out there way, way out in left field, you know, on some of the aliens. I mean, he used to love talking about Roswell and the, the aliens out there. And the but J- don't you think he would be thrilled with all of the government oh, yeah. stuff being released today? He would just be on cloud nine. Well, I, I, I made a joke on my show that um, I, uh, my show is a lot like Mike Murphy without the aliens. But then I said, well, let me put an asterisk on that. If the government actually releases proof that they had aliens in Roswell, I will dedicate an entire hour to Mike Murphy. Well, they, re- they released a picture of a, an alien in New Mexico a couple of days ago. All right. All right. So out of all those really crazy ones, did he actually, do you think he actually believed those or did he just want to believe those? He, first of all, he was highly intelligent oh, and it, extremely informed, especially about this topic. I called it the Murphy First Five. You know, okay. I would book a UFO guy on the air. Oh, the top five topics? No, no, the top five questions. I called it the Murphy First Five. So if you were an UFO expert and you came on the show, you had to be able to answer Murphy's first okay. five questions. And if you couldn't, you You're were not done. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, I think Mike was so well-versed in this topic. Do you know the, the top five questions? No, no. It, it, it I mean, you don't remember what the okay. No, no. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't a set number of questions. It was okay. just five questions. All right. And uh, you had better be prepared to answer them. Who is the guy with the crazy hair? That went on history, ended up having his own shows on History Channel now. UFOs. I, I mean, he, he was, uh, well, he was the um, UFO expert, always calling in and interviewed all the people with Roswell. And he ended, up, he ended up having like five different series on the History Channel about UFO, which is funny. Well, somebody, well, uh, somebody will somebody know. Will, yeah, we'll get that. Uh, one uh, he had everybody on. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had favorite, favorite ones that knew all that kind of stuff. And I. Uh, there was a nice man, I wish I could remember his name now, 23 years later, who sent me a list of the great UFO investigators of all time. And um, uh, there, there was, I could just call a guy and say, I want to be on the Mike Murphy show. Okay, I'm in. Everybody knew who he was. Right. Uh, he had substituted for Art Bell on a couple of occasions, and uh, they actually, when Art was going to go off the air, they actually offered Murphy the job, huh. but Mike didn't want to work in the middle of the night. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, a remarkable how many experts he had on the air. <laughs> All right, somebody's asking you about, um, uh, wants to know, how many times did you eat over at Romanelli's with Mike? <laughs> Well, uh, frequently, uh, one of the best lines that, that I, I, I get to actually take credit for a Murphy line, uh, we went to Romanelli's and we had the fried catfish and the right. chili. I yeah. think we had everything on the menu. Uh, Murphy wanted me to try everything. And uh, so we had the fried catfish and it came out and Murphy said, Andy, you got to salt everything on the fried catfish so we'd pull out the catfish and he'd salt it i mean it was serious sodium chloride <laughs> so after the after the meal was finished 
There was all this salt. And I, I looked at Murphy and I said, you know how good the meal is by how much salt is on the table. <laughs> and, and for the rest of his life, Murphy quoted my little line uh, about how much salt is on the table. You can tell how good the meal is. Yes, we ate at Romanelli's on several occasions. I love the fried catfish. I love, I'm a chili guy. Uh, if I had an opportunity to work with Walt Bodine, I would have had chili with him as much as I could because Walt Bodine was the chili expert oh. in Kansas City. And um, he's another one I wish I could have on my show. So uh, uh, Murphy used to tell a, a running joke. Uh, I used to work with Don Fortune on uh, KMBZ as his tech guy. And then Fortune retired. And then I went to came and worked for Mike Murphy, and Mike Murphy retired. So one day on the air, Mike said, Andy's going to go work for Walt Bodine, and maybe Walt Bodine will retire. <laughs> he did that for a long time. So it's, um, I had Pete Enoch on my show about a month and a half ago. Sure. He was one of the drinking buddies of Mike Murphy. Uh, and, uh, there were a lot of drinking buddies. Yeah, and so that was, I know Romanelli's was one of the places that they went to, and quite uh, boots and coats. Heard stories about uh, yes, boots and uh, that was at 95th and almost Warnell. Uh, I went there on a few occasions with him, and uh, uh, boy, that was some good eats. And then we went to, uh, after he retired, we went to Walsh's Corner Cocktail, 85th and Warnell. And he called it the Gathering of Eagles at, <laughs> when we went to Walsh's. So when you were producing a show, uh, was John McCain on the show when you were there, or was that no, before No, that was with Sam Atwell. Okay. Uh, Sam Atwell's a great man. Uh, Sam works for Fox 4 now. Okay. And Sam was the producer prior to Mike. Look, if I hadn't, if, if Sam had stayed on, you'd be talking to Sam Atwell today and not me. Uh, I always say I'm doing all of this because Sam Atwell went to Fox 4. Uh, I think so very highly of him. There's a recording somewhere of John McCain saying that if he became president, he would come on Murphy's I, show. I was going to ask you about that because apparently the two hit it off so well. Yes, and uh, and Mike said, uh, you got that on tape, Sam? And that's who he's talking to is Sam Atwell. Okay. And uh, I just uh, think the world of Sam. He's just a wonderful human. Oh, uh, George Tuslakis. Giorgio Tuslakis is the UFO guy on the History Channel with the crazy hair. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate that. Okay. I've never, <laughs> I've never met Giorgio before. All right. So apparently we have eight, nine, we have ten people online are saying they want us to make UFO sugar cookies. Well, I can't help you there. That's no, his gig. No, no. That's, that's, that's Sherry and her decorating team. Oh, so, Sherry and the decorating team so are going to make UFO weeks, cookies. You will see UFO sugar cookies. <laughs> um, I think follow, the Beyonce cookies come out. The week after that, and then Taylor Swift after Make that. Make some like the Jupiter 2 from Lost in Space. All right. <laughs> All right, so we'll sell one of those cookies to Andrew. Well, yeah, don't one know, of those. Don't know if a Jupiter else 2 cookie. Wouldn't you like to see a Jupiter 2 cookie? Yeah. Come on. All right, so if, if there's anybody, listener or viewer out there, that has a specific question to ask Andrew about Mike Murphy and the um, maybe something in the last few years or even earlier in that, so when uh, Mike, his real name wasn't Murphy. No, it was Hervey, H-E-R-V-E-Y. You know what's funny is that even today, even though he's gone, I still don't feel right telling people that because like he wanted to keep it. Now, was he wanting to keep it secret or is that just something that caught on because he did something no, with his brother? No, it, it, it wasn't um, so much of a secret as it was I, I need to keep my radio identity separate from my personal name. 
Um, because he would have people knocking on the door. I think okay. people found out that the Herveys lived at, you know, 10465, whatever. Well, I'd appreciate knowing that about a year ago. Never thought of that aspect of it. But, uh, well, Jasper gets away with it, so if, he, if he's fine, I'm fine. Yeah, but you can't make up a name like Maraboli. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the history that he has. That's right. All right, so his brother uh, was bigger in radio before him. Right. His brother was named Bill Hervey. That was his real right. name. And he changed it to Pat Murphy. Now, there is a line of Murphys in the in the family tree. So that it's not a, just a made-up name. Yeah. There was a Murphy on the, in the family tree. And uh, the other day at the luncheon, Jenny told us yeah. where the family yeah. tree went so to get the Murphy. So when, when Mike was doing radio up in um, Iowa, he was originally Mike Hervey. Hervey, uh-huh. But uh, tell the story real quick about when he changed it to Mike Murphy. Uh, in 1964... He went to WIRE in Indianapolis, and uh, his brother, Bill Hervey, had changed his name to Pat Murphy, the Cincinnati Dancing Pig. Uh, By the way, the Cincinnati Dancing Pig's an old Red Foley song, if you want to look that up. Uh, So when they got there, management wanted to advertise the Murphy Brothers, so Mike had to change his name to Mike Murphy. And so he just stuck with that. Uh, he didn't have a choice because it was going to be Pat and Mike and the Murphy brothers. No, I meant after that, though, but when he left the Murphy oh, brothers. Oh, yeah, when he left. He, and, but, but when he got to Indianapolis, he had become so well-known as a, as a Murphy. And then when he got to WQUA in 67, he just kept it. Yeah. And, and that was the way it was the rest of his career. So what year did he first come to Kansas City? Uh, March 18, 1968. Okay. Why did he, did he ever say why he stayed here? Uh, his son, Pat, that he called Hazel, that was his nickname for his son, <laughs> Hazel. Uh, his son, Pat, came to him and said, uh, Dad, I've been in four kindergartens already. <laughs> can we stay here? And Mike said, yeah, we, we can stay here. And so it was really, I, I always credit Mike's son, Pat, for the reason Mike stayed here. Well, he first stayed, and then, then he just fell in love with, <clears throat> with the city. Right. But, but the son came to him and said, we've been to all these, I've been in four kindergartens. So when he retired from radio, did he understand how important he was to Kansas City? How much, how loved he was? Oh, I, 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 I think he had a, a good idea. Uh, the, the morning of his last show, uh, there was a limousine that picked us up. And uh, they picked me up first, then we drove over to Squirrel Manor, and then picked up Mike, and drove on down to Kelly's in Westport. That's where the last show was. And um, I can remember, this is a memory I I purposefully took in my head. Uh, Mike got out of the car and looked up at the Kelly sign, and there was just this look of satisfaction on his face, like this is what it's supposed to be and then he walked on in and did the last show yeah so if i remember in the last show because that was that was what year was that 2004 december 17th okay so in the final show that he did he he did it the show kind of backwards didn't he well he had a couple of quotes that he wanted to say and he said he's always done things kind of half backwards anyway so he did two quotes at the beginning of the show. He said, because I might choke up at the end. Okay. What were those two quotes? Uh, I can play them for you. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Yeah. Go ahead and find that. Uh, let's see. It's from The Final Deception. Okay. While you're looking that up, uh, it's, uh, one of the listeners, do we call them listeners or viewers? Both. Okay. So 
the view listeners was okay, okay. okay so hold okay hold on a second what asked me what squirrel manor was squirrel manor is what he called his home his house and why did he did you do you have any idea why yeah, because he came up it that was chock full of squirrels that's why all right all right sometimes the, the and, and the whole the whole family was squirrely i'm sure all right, so we're going to try to pay. You have the audio from his I last do. show. This is the last show and the and the two quotes he get at the beginning. All right, we'll see if we can do this. So I'm going to end the show, at the beginning. Does that make any sense to you? Because I might choke up at the end, and I I, I don't feel like that now. So uh, I'm going to do a couple of quotes, uh, things I always thought I'd say, and one's from Bobby Kennedy. That some people see things the way they are and say why, and I see things the way they could be and say why not. And from Shakespeare, King Lear, I think, it's been a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing. A poor player who strutted and fretted his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. So I'll see you at the end of the show with a couple other little things, but I got those out of my mouth, and I think they're both good. This is going to be, I call it Murph stock. Look, <laughs> look at all this stuff. Look at that final deception sign. And, and I don't know why I called it that. It just came in my head, because this isn't a deception at all. Uh, uh, the... Uh, so defection was deception defecation but deception seemed to work the best and it just stuck so thanks to all of you who are here there you go you know Andrew there there are well I would normally I would say thousands of people there's probably 20 people out there listening to the show that were just transported back 20 years ago <laughs> you hear that voice and you 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 think back to some of your favorite memories, favorite shows, and just the comfort level that he brought to us. Well, I, I, uh, I'm grateful that I've become the, as uh, Mike's daughter Jenny calls me, the keeper of the career. Yeah. And uh, uh, she has been very gracious um, to allow me to keep this material and... Uh, use it I've used it last Tuesday at a luncheon right. that you were at and I used some today but uh, yeah I really can transport you uh, to was a it hard time. to get some of that material or did you already have it uh, we were doing uh, a segment called Murphy Remembers that, that was my title and I went to Kathy and, I, and Mike's wife and oh, I wait said wait a minute is that the one that you had to rename because of Marilyn yes. May so I, I went to Kathy and I said, I need any old tape you have of Mike. And she pulled out this dusty banker's box, chock full of tape, reels and cassettes and carts and every kind of media you could imagine. And I had to dub off every inch of that. And I went, we had Marilyn May on the air one day and I said, I, I, uh, I'm going to do a new segment called Murphy Remembers. And Marilyn May said, oh no, honey, you have to call it Mike Murphy Memories. And that's what we called it. And that's why we have all this audio, because I had to spend all this time to feed this Mike Murphy Memories monster. <laughs> Every Friday at 9.15, yeah. I had to play a Mike Murphy memory. Oh. So uh, when Marilyn May was on, was she in studio or just on the telephone? Uh, I would say nine and a half times out of ten she was in studio. Okay. Um, she would always, if she was in town, 
she would always come down. You know, there's just um, what Mike Murphy had her on the show all the time. Yes. You know, that's where I first heard the stories about Johnny Carson. And right. Was there any other people like that that had personalities that just stood out like Marilyn Mays did? Uh, Steve Allen. Uh, okay. Steve Allen uh, really liked Mike Murphy, genuinely liked Mike Murphy. And whenever Steve Allen was coming in through town for a book signing or something, he made sure that he was on the Mike Murphy show. Um, he wrote a book. His last book was called Barbarians at the Gate. And uh, we had booked him for an hour and a half. And sadly, Steve Allen had died. <clears throat> he was in a, a small car wreck, but it had torn an aorta in his heart. And he went and laid down and just didn't wake up. And I got a phone call from his son about a week or two later, and he said... Andrew, I apologize for Dad not showing us. Like, but Bill, why are you apologizing? You don't owe me anything. He said, well, could, would it be okay if we offered up uh, actress and his wife, Jane Meadows, and myself to do the interviews? Mike's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So we did uh, uh, an interview with Jane Meadows and Bill Allen, but we really wanted to talk to Steve because he really enjoyed Mike Murphy. And Bill told me uh, in that phone call after he died that, Steve was looking forward to being on with Mike Murphy. And uh, I have tape of Steve Allen uh, with Murphy uh, figuring out how many listeners they're going to have. And he was saying he was uh, short some brown or uh, blue shoes. And a listener found a pair of blue shoes and brought them in for him. And <clears throat> so it was, yeah, Steve Allen was a big Mike Murphy fan, believe it or not. Any idea where that started or where that came from? Uh Mike's best friend was a guy named Pat O'Neill Sr. We all know Pat O'Neill right. here in town right. from the PR work that he does. But Pat's father uh, was just, he was the man. Uh, if you were a celebrity coming into Kansas City, you usually talk to Pat O'Neill Sr. Well, Pat O'Neill Sr. was Mike Murphy's best friend. And so Steve Allen would come in, or Red Skelton, or whoever, and the first thing Pat would do was ship him on down to the Mike Murphy show. And that's how Mike got to interview all these great celebrities. Well, Pat O'Neill, the, the, the son, he's on my list of, um, he's going to be coming on my show sometime soon. Good. Yeah, he's written some stories. wonderful books. It, it's, it's crazy to me as just a regular, regular person to hear these stories about how the friendships were. You know, the family, Jim Eddy. I, I love the guy. He's been on my, uh, from Eddie's Loafenstein. His dad had yes. Eddie's Lounge. Yeah. And, uh, Jim was on the show when Marilyn May called in, but he would tell. He's telling me stories off the air about when he was growing up. Marilyn May would come in, and you know, and and some of these other people, you know, how they just grew up knowing them. You know, I just talked to him yesterday, and he's got uh, Jamie Farr is going to call into the show because he was good friends of his, and he's come to Kansas City so many times. Murphy loved Jamie Farr. You know, and, uh, and it's so he, he did not like David Ogden Stiers, God rest him. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, is there a story? Uh, David Ogden Stiers came on the air, and the first thing he said to Mike Murphy was, I wish not to discuss MASH on oh, the air. Oh, I remember that. And, and so Mike played the theme from MASH yep. right off the bat. I remember that. And every time Jamie Farr, I, he would tell that story, you know, and it's that, I do remember that. So Mike loved Jamie Farr, though. Yeah. Just really enjoyed him. Well, just real people. It, it's, <clears throat> he me, loved Larry King. Larry King loved Mike Murphy. <clears throat> and um, Did he have Larry King on his show? Oh, yes. Oh, really? I I've got an that. audio cut of Larry King talking about betting horses and 
winning $9,000 at the track. <laughs> okay, I, I got a. Well, I ha, I've heard a funny story about Larry King, but I can't tell that one on the air. <laughs> but it's, um, I had somebody that, that knew him that says, all right, when he comes into the studio, he's going to ask to borrow some money. Don't give it to him. He doesn't need it. And he goes, that's your stick. Do you have so, five bucks? Yeah. <laughs> that's your test. <laughs> yeah. So do not do not do that one. All right. So that's that's funny. So there was, uh, I had Roger the Plumber on, I think about seven, eight weeks ago. Sure. And he was a good friend of Mike Murphy's. And he was apparently on the show telling us, Roger was telling the story about remodeling a big house down in Mission Hills, about how extravagant it was, the, the, the Italian marble and this and that. And Mike goes, I got to see this house. He goes, I, you can't. This is a private residence. He goes, I got to see this house. I want to see it for myself. And this is off the air. And so Roger goes, okay, well, here's what we'll do. We'll put you in one of my Roger the Plumber shirts, and I'll bring you into the house as my employee. So he takes them into the house. And the first thing that, the only thing that Mike Murphy really wanted to see, he goes, I want to see the bathroom. So he takes them to the bathroom, and he looks. For, he sees the radio in the bathroom. He wants to see what station the, 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 the radio in the bathroom is programmed for. That's why he was happy. He goes, all right. Did I'm he good. change the station? <laughs> I, I didn't get the rest of that story, but, but uh, that was hilarious to him wearing a, a uniform just to, so he can go see a house. Roger the plumber, uh, Mike Murphy needed a water heater, and Roger the plumber was over at his house, and they were playing pool. And Murphy said, I'll shoot you some pool for the water heater. And Roger the Plumber thought, certainly he can beat Mike Murphy. And so uh, Roger the Plumber lost very badly and had to <laughs> install a water heater in Mike's house. Well, Roger will probably be back on the show. I'll ask him about that. All right, um, Andrew, I know you've got a whole bunch of sound clips. See if you can find one more that you think everybody would enjoy while I give everybody an update. Uh, here is... Well, you look it up real quick. I got to say... To, to all the listeners out there. So the people watching this and listening, my radio show is called Kansas City Food Memories. I'm on live almost every Saturday unless there's a Missouri football game at noon. And you like can listen today. To, like today. But it's at 98.1 FM. I have food guests on. I have a lot of interesting people on there. And then I am also take a lot of questions. So I'm looking for, we have uh, shows coming up in the next two months on Ruby's Soul Food. I've got, um, I found the people that owned the original owners of Smacks. We will be telling stories about that. And, and Jamie Farr is going to be on with Jim Eddy. Cool. That'll be a fun conversation. So if you want to do that, be able to do, um, follow us on that. But uh, my wife and I, Sherry, we own Best Regards Bakery and Cafe. That's where I'm at today. And that's how you can support our show is to come to the bakery. If you have some stories you want to tell us, some uh, people that you think might be great guests on the show, come on out. Visit with us. We'll talk to you. Give us the information, and I'll see what I can do about bringing them on the show. But that'll be, again, next week. If we're preempted next week, two weeks in a row, we'll do another live radio show here at Best Regards at 10 o'clock. All right, Andrew, what do you have for us? This is Mayor Charles B. Wheeler, who was mayor of Kansas City from 1971 to 1979. And uh, he would come in on Mondays, Monday mornings with the mayor, with Mike, and uh, they would talk about topics and things relevant to Kansas City. During the week, though, Mike would go into a production room and ask absolutely ridiculous questions of Mayor Wheeler's serious answers. So this is uh, one of those. Mayor, come sit down here with uh, me at the piano here, will you? 
Here's my buddy, Mayor Wheeler. Mayor, I understand that your boy uh, raises mastiffs out there at your house. Has about 500. And next weekend, you're going to have a big deal with about 18,000 people in there. And uh, your boy's going to heave them some bones. He's really going to throw them a nice dinner tonight. Well, I, I certainly wish I could be there with I you. I plan to attend. I would think you would be there. Uh, I don't know, 18,000 people. Good heavens. The basic question is whether we have enough hotel rooms in this area. Yeah, I don't know whether we do or not. Uh, what do you think? I'm convinced we do. Well, all right. What does that break down to, anyway? About 8,000 Republicans and about 10,000 Democrats. Well, it sounds like a good time will be had by all in your backyard there with the feeding of the Mastiffs. I want to congratulate you on your new clown outfit that you're wearing. Looks to me like a bikini that you have. I on. broke it out. I think I'll wear it all summer. Well, I would think so. You got, I notice, uh, many uh, large uh, thorny warts on your body there. I'd say I've got about uh, 300. Well, you ought to probably have those removed, uh, Mayor. Then what would you do with them? The uh, plan is to put them in sacks. Auction them off, maybe, and get a nice price for them. What, what uh, could you wear along with your uh, bikini that you have on there, your clown outfit? Oh, I think a Japanese warrior's hat. I think that would make for a nice deal, and thank you very much. <laughs> Do you think anybody would get away with that nowadays? No, I don't think so, because politicians are too well-groomed and polished to allow that sort of thing to happen. I don't think, I don't know of any that would have the sense of humor that'd be willing to come back next week knowing. Yeah, you get away with one of those, and then that's it, you're done. You know, I also don't know if any restaurants would allow you to mock their salsa. Uh, That's right, yes, but they they loved it so much that they made it part of the... Copy. <laughs> it was a different different day and different age. So we're coming up um, just a few minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to tell people about Mike Murphy that maybe we didn't know? Uh, you know, I, I, I talked about this at the luncheon on Tuesday. And I, I, I'm, I'll read you a little of my clothes. And I said that uh, Mike Murphy was a Marconi award-winning broadcaster. Uh, he was knighted in Kilkenny, Ireland. He was the garbage star, the leader of the cat people, the great liberator of Paola, Kansas, Major Murphy of the Odd Squad. He accomplished something that scant few radio broadcasters have ever achieved in their lifetime, and this is transcending the radio speaker and creating a legendary, singularly unique event which has captivated an entire city for generations to come, the Kansas City St. Patrick's Day Parade. And uh, I think if anybody remembers Murphy for anything, they should remember him for founding the parade that we get to enjoy every March 17th. Well, you know, the, the parade's a big deal. And it's, um, we've, I had Ian Byrne on from The Elders. He was a frequent guest of, guest of Mike Murphy. And the interesting story I heard from that is that Ian, the elders, they're, they're actually a worldwide, world-renowned oh, very much Irish so, band. Yes. And he told me that, that they could, if they wanted to, they could do the St. Patrick's Day Parade. The, the band could play in Chicago and New York if they wanted to. But they chose to stay here in Kansas City. Yep. So, you know what I mean? The legacy of, the, you can't overstate the legacy of, of having that parade because that, that I think that, gelled the pride of Kansas City and a lot of people. The elders, there's an old Irish song called uh, uh, The Day Patty Murphy Died, and the elders changed it to The Day Mike Murphy Died. He loved that. 
Every St. Patrick's Day, he would have Ian on, and he absolutely. would sing, sing an acapella. Uh, the elders were on the last show, as a matter of fact. You know, and, and that was amazing. But I don't, it, the, I'm not saying the parade's not boring, because it is. But, I mean, the legacy that Mike has was in Kansas City is even bigger than that. Because what he did on the radio, the kindness, the camaraderie, the uh, never took himself too seriously. You know, and just like, you know, like the, the one guest that you said refused to talk about MASH. You know, nothing was off limits with Mike, but, you know, but, but except for kindness. Right. We never talk about politics. And it's just, it was any man who could make some of the subjects he talked about interesting. He looked people. at the world from a different facet. Um, I, I told this story at the luncheon that we had Randy Wistoff one time, and the first question he oh, asked. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, okay. We, we got time for this. So uh, he was warned. Tell about the warning. Uh, there, uh, Wendy, Randy Wistoff had just been appointed the director of the Kansas City Zoo. And, uh, and he mine, was world-renowned before that. Yes, he was in, uh, I think, Henry oh, Dorling. Yeah, up in Omaha. Uh, up in Omaha. And uh, so our news guy, Mike Troop, saw Randy downstairs and said, uh, here, you're going to do the Mike Murphy show. And Wistoff says, yes, we are. And he said, I'm just going to warn you, there's going to be a question out of left field you may not be able to answer. And Wistoff said, that's okay, I've dealt with the, dealt with the media for years. So uh, Wistoff goes upstairs, Mike says... Uh, it's a pleasure to have Randy Wistoff with us today. Randy, tell me, how do you bury a giraffe? And uh, so after the, I don't know how Randy answered the question because I didn't hear it. And after the show, Wistoff comes down and sees Mike Troop in the lobby. And uh, he looks at Mike and says, you're right. I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> don't, don't issue a challenge like that to a pro that's, like that's Mike right. Murphy. That's right. All right. Well, all the listeners out there, we're coming up on the end of the hour and viewers. I appreciate you joining us and uh, catching the video afterwards. This is a remote version of Kansas City Food Memories. My show will be live pretty much every Saturday, except when it's not, at 10 o'clock on KMZ 98.1. When I am not live there, tune in to Facebook Live, and you will be able to see some kind of interesting story. I'll have a guest or two to tell stories about something having to do with Kansas City. Sometimes food, sometimes a little bit more interesting than food, but always be about the people, the places, and the food of Kansas City. Thank you very much for joining us. Remember, this is brought to you by Best Regards Bakery and Cafe. We're in Overland Park, Kansas, and 119th and Glenwood. If you have a chance, go to the website, which is makethemsmile.com. Sign up for the newsletter there so you can see what's going on. And uh, those of you who have seen this, you know that we have a Facebook page. We have 15,000 followers. It's a great way to find out what's new. Come on out. Try one of our new pastrami sandwiches, BLTs, different things like that. And um, thank you for being here. Have a good day.